at first glance, when you look at the cross, it, it seems like it's about sorrow and shame at first glance. His friends were crying. His mother was grieving, so sad to see her son hanging on the cross. Even the sun refused to shine its light. He was spit on. He was cursed. He was shamed. Yeah, God knows what it's like to be you. God knows what it's like to feel what you feel in your worst time. To endure what you have had to endure. God knows. He's the only one that really knows the crud that you have gone through. The devil and his demons danced and jeered around Jesus, unseen to human eyes. They thought they had victory. They, they, they thought that the almighty son of God, the eternal creator, had been killed, destroyed, embarrassed, and mocked. On the cross, Jesus seems to give Death itself has its way with him. Its cold hands clamp down around his throat. In the world's eyes, the cross is forever a symbol of weakness and loss and death. What loser would allow himself to be treated with such hatred? We're supposed to stand up against that, right? But there's another way that we can see all of this. Another eye that you can use, and that's the eye of faith. And our text today reveals what we can only see when we are given eyes by the Spirit of God. God, I pray that you would give us these eyes. I pray that you would open up the wonderful mysteries of your Scripture, your Word, so that we can understand them. Because that's the only way that we can. Lord, help us to see who you really are. Amen. Colossians 2.15, Jesus, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. In our, our text, our context, is we've been talking about what Jesus has done on the cross, what he accomplished, what he won, what he, um, what he did. And it says here, he disarmed principalities and powers. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Principalities and powers means Satan, 
and all of his demons. They are called principalities and powers in the Bible. And it says he made a public spectacle of them and he triumphed over them in dying on the cross. Jesus' body was nailed to a rough wooden cross and there it hung, seemingly defeated. But in reality, he was fighting. He was fighting and he was winning. He was conquering. When he hung on the cross. How can you see that? It doesn't look like that. But with the eyes of faith it does. So now if you can see it. Jesus hanging on the cross. Is the highest image of victory. And the most lopsided blowout win. There has ever been. More than what the Broncos are going to do today to the Cowboys. That's faith. Because that ain't happening. Right? (laughs) kidding all right because on the cross guys the jesus beat the devil at his own game he actually crushed satan under his feet and danced upon his utterly paralyzed and powerless snake-like body that's what jesus did today we're gonna we're gonna see one lesson And then next week, we'll see another lesson from this. The lesson we're going to have this week is Jesus is going to take everything from his enemies on the cross, and he's going to give them to you. Next week, we're going to look at how Jesus celebrates his victory by mocking Satan's dead body. It's going to be awesome. Okay? All right, so Jesus takes everything from his enemies on the cross. I'm going to read our text again just because it's so incredible. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Satan possessed two, maybe three great weapons. You think of Satan, you think of his weapons he's got in his right hand, sin, and in his left hand, death. Hell could also be included as one of his weapons. When Adam and Eve obeyed his temptation, remember back in the Garden of Eden, guys? Adam and Eve just cruising right along with Jesus, just hanging out with God, and Satan comes along and tempts them and says, you don't need God, and they're like, maybe we don't need God. And Satan says, yeah. Be your own boss. And they're like, yeah, we'll be our own boss. And when they did that, they and their children became his slaves forever. All the children of Adam and Eve, every human on the earth, became slaves of Satan forever and ever if God had never stooped down to ransom them, which is what he has done. We'll get to that in a minute. On the day that they fell in the garden, God made a promise. His promise was that he would eventually rescue them. That God would eventually rescue them. And he said it like this. You know, snake, Satan, one day you're going you're gonna to bite my heel. But one day I'm going to crush your head. 
And that was God's promise of how he was going to deal with this situation. God says, I'm going to have a seed. I'm going to have a son. I'm going to become a man. And you're going to think that you won when you kill me on a cross. But in reality, I'm crushing everything that you have. This gets me pumped up. I feel like going into war right now, right? I'm like, you know, Braveheart. It took a while for that promise to come to pass. Anyone know how many thousands of years it was from that promise to Jesus? 4,000 years. Jesus was 2,000 years ago. So it's been 6,000 years since that promise was made from where we're at right now. But it did come to pass. And exactly at the right time, Jesus came. Satan knew that this man, Jesus, could destroy him. And so Satan was trying to kill him many times when Jesus came to the earth. Okay? When Jesus came to the earth, it was announced by angels. They literally opened up the skies of heaven and said, Hallelujah. Ah, you know, it was like Christmas. We celebrate it. Right? And, and from that moment, when, when Satan was like, Oh, crud, Jesus is here. I better, I better start killing him. He had all kinds of plans to kill him. Herod, he inspired Herod to kill every baby, all the babies born in Bethlehem in a three to five year period. Herod killed them all. Soldiers went in and killed them all at the order of the king. But God protected Jesus, warning Joseph in a dream. He sent him down to Egypt to be safe. Then Jesus is coming along and and he's doing his public ministry, and Satan's like, inspires the Jews, hey, you guys should throw him off a cliff. And so they tried to throw him off a cliff. And Jesus said, nope, not time yet. He inspired the Jews to pick up stones and throw them at Jesus to stone him until he was dead. Not once, but twice. And they missed every time. (laughs) I don't know how he got out of those, but he got out of those. Jesus would not be killed until it was time. Until it was time. When his hour comes, the Bible calls it his hour. His hour when he goes to battle, when he goes to war. When Jesus is betrayed, he's convicted in a false court case. He's condemned to die. He is whipped. He's mocked. Then he's tortured. And then he's abandoned. All his friends. But all this just leads Jesus right to his battleground. Where he's like, you know, takes off the the robe, right? And he's going to go into battle. He's going to fight the fight that nobody else the principalities and powers of the devil gathered around him as he is nailed on the cross in weakness. They gape at him, drunk with glee. He who once ruled the heavens and the earth has been overcome by death nailed to a tree. 
He's been overcome by sin. He's been overcome by death. He's been overcome by Satan himself. Every weapon at any demonic command is hurled at Jesus at the same time. And every weapon plunges into him and is absorbed by him. He takes all the sin, all the death, all the hell, and he hangs there on the cross in total silence. But what's happening is Satan is rushing to his own destruction. Because as Satan plunges every weapon into Jesus, something happens that the red devil does not expect his sharp weapons of sin and death, which he thrust into Jesus, are taken from him. And as Jesus dies on the cross, the weapons of Satan are broken, crushed, and obliterated. Because they were in that body that died. And as Jesus screams, it is finished, as he hangs on the cross, Satan realizes his great error and mistake, but it's too late. Jesus dies, and the weapons die with him, forever broken and lost. And that's how Satan has been disarmed. Our enemy has no more weapons. Jesus accomplished all of this by sacrificing his body on the cross. So Satan put all of his hatred and malice and all the sin that he used against us and all the death that he used against us and hell, it went into Jesus. And as Jesus died, he can't get them back anymore. Satan can't get them back ever again. In old battles, when, the, when one general would beat another, he would take the epin, weapons away from his enemy, and disarming them, and he would strip them of their power. And it's like stripping a lion of his teeth. Are you scared of a lion that doesn't have any teeth? No. These old generals would tie their hands behind their back to show that they were of no danger anymore. And this is what Jesus has done with sin and death and even hell. They are no more weapons that can be used against us. Jesus has completely won. Guys, we can't be threatened anymore by sin. I mean, I guess we could be threatened, but it can't be used against us. We have been forgiven. Jesus has cast our sin as far as the east is from the west. Have you heard that phrase before? The Psalms say that. He has cast, he doesn't say north to south. Jesus didn't say, I cast your sin as far as north. No, he doesn't say that because 
you could go north and eventually you're headed back south. So it's like a boomerang. Your sin would be coming back to you, but Jesus doesn't do it that way. He says east to west because you can go east indefinitely. Just keep going. And he says that's how far God has separated you from every bad thing you've ever done through what Jesus did on the cross. He separated it from east to west. So you can't be threatened by it anymore. So when Satan comes and said, hey, you're a sinner, that's not true anymore. We can't, we can't be threatened by death. You will never experience death. Are you going to die? Yeah, probably. But you're not going to experience. You're not going to go through death, what it was designed to be. In fact, for you, as a believer in Jesus, as a follower of Jesus, death for you is just opening a door and walking into a new room. There's no pain. There's no shame. It's great. Paul says it's better. And guys, you can't even be threatened by hell. We are citizens of heaven. And if we're not on a mission here on this earth, then we go home to heaven. Hell is not designed for you, and it cannot be used as a threat against you. Not only this, but Jesus has won back our treasures. See, we had these inheritances, these possessions that Satan stole from us in the Garden of Eden. One of them is called joy. And Jesus has won that back. One of them is called happiness. Jesus won that back. Peace. Jesus has won that back. Jesus has ripped these things that Satan himself thought that he had stolen from us. Jesus rips them out of his hands and gives them back to us. That's why we worship him. Our text says, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them. What does this mean for us? Guys, do not be afraid of a weak and defeated enemy of your soul. Don't be afraid. You do not need to be afraid. We are in Christ, in him by faith. You're joined with him, one with him, when you put your trust in him. And so his victory is ours. When the Broncos won the Super Bowl, I feel like I won the Super Bowl, right? Because I'm a fan. I'm on their team, right? I, I believe I'm on their team by faith. It's a perfect example. So that's how we get on the team. Okay, when Jesus wins, his whole team wins. He wins for us. And how complete is his victory? It's total and complete. Do not be afraid of your weak and defeated enemy because his victory, God's victory is ours and we are going to follow our leader the way that he went. We must follow him. 
the way that he went. We are going to be harassed by the devil all the way to the cross. And we are going to pick up our cross and follow Jesus daily. By faith, we're going to fight a battle that he has already won. We're not fighting for victory. As Christians, we just already won. So our battle is whether we're going to believe and trust in what he has done, what he has won. Sin and death and hell are going to be thrown in our faces, guys. Satan isn't going to stop trying to use these weapons, but he doesn't have the weapons anymore, so he's just going to yell at you about them. He's just going to say, you're a dirty, rotten sinner. Blah! You deserve hell. Blah! You're, you're, you're going to die for this. Death is going to stink for you. Blah! But all we have to do is keep our eyes on the victory that Jesus has already won, and it becomes our own. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. We cannot lose when we trust him. He has already won. And so we are fighting an enemy who simply tries to lie his way to victory. All you have to do is be able to tell truth from lies. That's how we fight. Satan's going to say, God is angry at you. You ever felt that? You ever felt Satan say that? You are rejected by God. That's a lie. God is not angry at you. God cannot ever be mad at you because he already got mad at Jesus for you on the cross, so it's done. He perfectly accepts you. He will transform you, he will change you, and he will give you everything you need. He's not mad at you. Satan is so, such a liar, guys. Do not fall for his lies. Sin, hell, and death are no danger to us. Are you afraid of dying? Nope. We're not. Doesn't matter. All right, so here's how this works. This is great. I'm excited to share this with you. Whenever you're accused by Satan... Just respond like this. Romans 8.33 says, Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? I've been chosen by God, so you can't bring up anything against me. Nothing. But you really screwed up. Nothing. Who's going to bring a charge? God's not listening to you. Because there's two voices in the courtroom of heaven. Satan accusing you, and Jesus saying, yeah, my blood pays for him. Which one do you think God is going to listen to? His own beloved son pleading his own blood on your life? Or Satan who wants to accuse you? It's no choice. God is going to listen to his son, who is your biggest fan. And he loves you. So if you are ever accused by Satan, just say Romans 8.33 says, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? How about if you are condemned 
not just accused, but condemned. So this would be the, the devil says, um, you did something wrong and you are going down for it. You're guilty. Well, hey, the next verse in the Bible, Romans 8.34, says, who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and is furthermore also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who makes intercession for you. In other words, Jesus is not condemning you. He is making intercession for you. He's praying for you. He's pleading for you. Jesus has no interest in condemning you. So why do people go to church and feel condemned? Not Jesus. Only Satan. Jesus says, I love you. Do you do everything right? No. We're going we're gonna to work that out through the power of my Holy Spirit. I'm going to transform you, but I take care of it first. I take care of that sin first. I pay for it first. Look at that. He's risen and he's at the right hand of God. So he has God's ear. If he's sitting right next to God, Satan's saying whatever he wants to say, but Jesus is like, hey, I got this one. This one belongs to me. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, right? What if Satan tries to divide you from God's love? He's got all these different strategies, right? He's got all these different weapons that he tries to use, but they're just lies. What if he tries to divide you saying, God does not love you anymore? Who could love you? You're such a failure. You're so pathetic. Why would God care about you? You just say, well, Romans 8.38. Maybe I should read Romans 8. Romans 8.38 says, I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities and powers, those are those demons we've been talking about, right? Nor things present nor things to come shall be able to separate me from the love of Christ, the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Nothing can separate you from his love. Do you ever feel unloved? That's not from Jesus. That's not from God. He has nothing but undeserved love for you. He's overflowing with it. What if Satan spits in your face all the sins that you have done? What if Satan spits all your sins right in your face? All you have to say is 1 John 2, 1. If anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. So Satan says, you sin? Say, yeah, you're right. I'm, I did that. But Jesus Christ is my advocate. Jesus takes care of me. Guys, here's the last one. What if death is staring you in the face? What if you are facing death? What if you were told it's cancer? All you say is 1 Corinthians 15, 55. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? Guys, all we have to do is hold up the cross in front of us 
It's our shield and our weapon. He has no weapons and we do have a weapon. He's got nothing and we have the cross. This is the way we always win in spiritual warfare, guys. It's always the cross cannot lose. It's never about me and what I can accomplish or what I say or what magic words I can say. There's no such thing as magic words. There is faith in a real cross that real Jesus really died on. And there's everything else. Each attack on you, every time Satan attacks you, listen carefully, is going to lead to more freedom and more joy in your life. People call me up, I'm so upset because Satan keeps attacking me. This week. And I'm like, it's all right. It's all good. He's going to lose. He's not even really attacking you. He's just lying to you. And he gets our mind and our hearts so twisted up. Right? But we don't have to be because God's word is so clear. We just look to him, trust in him, and it's taken care of. Every attack that happens to you will lead to your victory, your freedom, and your joy. You can't lose. There's a verse I can, I'm going to quote about that, Romans 5.3. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulation. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope so his attacks are going to encourage you to persevere because you're going to see it doesn't work when he attacks me when i look to jesus it just goes away and so you're going to be encouraged to persevere which leads to deeper character and finally you're going to see your hope come to pass which is that jesus wins and you're on his team. You're cheering for his victory. Satan's attacks will help us to understand all the fullness of what Jesus has done for us. Why do I have to go through these attacks of Satan? Because God wants you to know how bad he's been beaten. Satan's, God's, he's not upset when Satan tries to attack us. We shouldn't be either. Because he can't do anything to you. When you have the word of God and when you hold up the cross in front of you, say, I, I just, all I know is that Jesus has taken care of it all for me. It's, it's crazy, guys. Being on the winning team is awesome. Satan's attacks help us understand all the fullness of what Jesus has won for us. We abide in him, and we win. So do not fear. In fact, run into battle against a broken, feeble enemy who hates you. That old toothless lion is going to fall at your feet or flee in terror for you. So have courage. Do not listen to his lies. He can make you feel afraid 
but we are to have bravery in our hearts through the cross of Jesus. Not by, not, we're not mustering up bravery ourselves. We're saying, if he has already won, then I can walk, I can follow him, I can walk in what he has done. Your enemy is naked. He is fearful. And he is deeply harmed and bruised when you walk in the faith of the victory of the cross. When you trust, when you believe that Jesus has done these things, and you ignore Satan's stupid lies, he is like terrified of that. He can yell, he can shout, he can growl, he can sound terrible and scary, but there is nothing to be afraid of. Even, you know, you guys have heard of possession, like people being possessed by demons. People are like, ooh, that's scary. Ooh, I don't want to watch that movie. It's really not even that scary anymore. And before Jesus, it was probably terrifying. Is they could claim to have a right to this body, and, and it was scary, right? But after Jesus has come, every single Christian has the authority to say, you need to leave now, and that demon must listen to you. They cannot. They have to flee. Because if you have faith in the cross, that beats them. No matter what they do or say, we win. Because Jesus won. We're on his team. So we can call, you don't have to yell and scream, I cast you out with the, you guys have all seen that, right? Don't worry about that. If you ever have an encounter like that, all you have to say is Jesus, by Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, I command you to leave, then they have to leave. Isn't that crazy? It's awesome. There's nothing to be afraid of. And guys, every battle for you is the beginning of an eternity of triumph. And every battle that you guys win against Satan, every time he tries to lie to you and you say, no, that's a lie because God's word says this and I'm going to believe that, I'm going to walk forward in that. Every time you win that, it's another devastating reminder to him that he has lost. And isn't that fun? I just think that's fun. Beaten down the enemy who hates you and every human being. So our text says, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. And that's our Bible study. Any questions? Any thoughts? Certainly free to ask me now or later. No problem. Okay. Well, let's, uh, Jared, you got, we got worship. We got a couple songs. All right, we're going to pray. I know that we all have deep things going on in our hearts and things that we're worried about and things that we need to bring to the Lord and maybe let go, maybe trust him. And maybe someone in here has never prayed that prayer of Jesus. I need you to save me. I need you to forgive me because of what you did on the cross. And if that's you today, then I just say today's a great day to have all that sin separated from you to have your sin cast as far as the east is from the west. So all you have to do is just, just pray, just believe and, and say, Lord, 
forgive me and save me. And it's done. And you're on his team. And, and it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. All right, let's pray. Father, I thank you for your victory that you won on the cross, that there is nothing uh, that Satan could ever do to separate us from your love, to condemn us, to threaten us with hell, to threaten us with our own sin, to threaten us with death. Lord, we are not ever going to taste those weapons because you have prevailed. When all other men would have failed and shrunk back, you persevered and you won an eternal victory by dying on the cross for our sins. No other man could do it because no other man had a perfect sinless life to offer. We would have deserved our punishment, but God, you did not deserve it. You gave your life freely and willingly to give us everything. Lord, you have spoiled the enemy of his weapons and our treasures of peace and joy and and, uh, unity with you and, and fellowship with you and communion with you. It's all been restored to us, given freely to us, even though none of us deserves it at all. Lord, you're so good to us. You're so kind. And uh, Lord, I pray that we would live our lives for your glory, that we'd follow hard after you, that we'd seek you uh, like we're seeking a great treasure. Lord, I pray that we would live selfless lives, loving our friends, loving our family, loving our enemies as you have loved us. And I thank you so much for my family and friends that are here and that we can... uh, uh, care for each other and 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 truly care about each other and encourage each other in Jesus name we pray amen